politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots, to the Conservative Review podcast. Fellow scorned taxpayers, forgotten Americans who don't matter in the land of America, because this is a country of by and for illegal aliens, foreign invaders. And if you're an American, well, only if you're a criminal, do you matter? But as you can see today, we have a new setup here. We are broadcasting not from Northern Command, but from CR Blaze TV's Central Command. This is the big studio with all the lights here, just making me dizzy and overwhelming. You know, I was thinking coming into the office today, uh, we have the privilege here at Blaze Media of having our Central Command right next door to one of the Department of Homeland Security's uh, central buildings. And I was looking at it, walking in, very long, wide building, and I thought to myself, man, this thing didn't even exist before 2003. And we had better Homeland Security before 9-11. We're going to touch on this more next week in honor of the 18th anniversary of 9-11. It's hard to imagine it's been this long. But we have so many security problems coming into this country. We have so many public charges coming into this country. And then all of the media, political, and legal attention is given to who? It is given to illegal aliens. It's given to those with grievances against the American citizen. Where is our voice? So, boy, I got a whole stack of papers, stuff on my computer today. I'm telling you, folks, I'm not going to get to half of this stuff. Um, And we're going to have to really touch up for tomorrow. But I want to start with the first story from Breitbart. DHS will restart process for sick illegal aliens to get health care. Okay, As you well know, some of you could sense this in my mood where depending on the day, I'm more bullish or bearish on the situation at the border. And really, it's a reflection of this administration. It's it's totally schizophrenic. It's a reflection of the fact that you have good people like Ken Cuccinelli, Mark Morgan, head of CBP, and you got bad people like Kevin McAleenan, who runs the Department of Homeland Security. He's the big boss. And you got a couple of Teletubby clowns in the White House still calling the shots. So you'll have a good policy parlayed against the bad policy in the same day. On the one hand, the border flow has diminished, but it's still very high. On the other hand, we're still continuing Obama's fundamental transformation past his presidency. One of the many programs he had during his presidency was this business of basically inviting in what I call health tourism. A lot of you heard of birth tourism, where illegal aliens essentially come just to drop an anchor baby, saddle us with the cost. Oh, and by the way, that kid is an American citizen who could vote you guys out of oblivion. But then there's health tourism where, you know, Americans, I I have to pay through the nose for health care. I don't get it from work. So because we don't have free market health care in this country, if you don't get it from welfare and you don't get it from government manipulated employer based health care, you got to pay a lot for it. Well, a lot of Americans are in that same boat. But if you are a foreign national and you say, hey, I want surgery, I want treatment. Let me go to America. I'll go illegally or I'll come on a tourist visa, overstay my visa. And you, the taxpayer, are left with the bill. So you might have seen this headline of, oh, Trump administration to end humanitarian program. They're going to deport cancer patients, you know, rip the feeding tube out of their mouth and uh, and get rid of them. No, there's a lot more going on here. Look, with any law enforcement action, obviously, there's common sense that if a guy is sitting and puking in a bathroom, you know, half dehydrated while we're about to execute a warrant and arrest the guy, even an American, yeah, we'll take certain things into account. I mean, that that goes along with any law enforcement. But in no other sphere of law enforcement do we make that the rule instead of the exception. Oh, well, there's some people that are sick, so therefore we're going to codify a whole program for anyone to apply for deferred action for American criminals. Yet when it comes to illegal aliens, we have started 
really accelerated under Obama, might have started beforehand, where he invited in thousands of people just to get deferred action because they're sick. So illegal aliens who are sick get deferred action and they are not deported. And rather than being a temporary humanitarian thing, it winds up being a de facto permanent status like like all these statuses are. So on August 7th, the administration announced that they're ending this. Now, baked into the cake when you end such a program means that it doesn't mean that you're going to rip a feeding tube out of someone and deport them. It just means you're not going to have this official program, which was made up. Well, of course, Joe Biden calls it out. They get a bunch of pressure and Breitbart reports the federal government is reversing course and will allow a group of roughly 1000 sick illegal immigrants to keep getting U.S. medical treatment. And by the way, guess who pays for it? You and I pay for it. Um, the media wants to make it seem like this is a matter of five unusual people that are just, you know, on, on life support. No, there are a whole bunch of people now coming and overstaying their visas for the purpose of medical care. It's not like, oh, they're here illegally, but then they got diagnosed with cancer. They come specifically to milk our system. Not only do we not deport them, but, but they, they just show up. They show up for medical care. Uh, in, in the article here, they quote a doctor who says that, um, you know, he's often treated these people. He's often treated many of these people that, that take these loopholes and they come in. Many millions of foreigners see considerable incentives to use small legal loopholes to live in the United States. For example, Congress unanimously passed a law in 2008 to help foreign girls who are trafficked for prostitution. Well, now, as you guys well know, now that's used to self-traffic people in just to scam us. Now, we have here this case where... You know, they quote here, and you could read the whole article we'll link to in show notes, where basically they just come and the doctors have to treat them. That's how we are. They just show up. So it's a double whammy. But the administration caved. Because there is a one directional pressure in this country speaking on behalf of illegals, but not on behalf of us, because frankly, my colleagues in this business aren't focused on this stuff. So the administration never gets pressure from the right. They only get pressure from the left. The big question we need to ask the administration is, are they just reopening these deferred action cases from before August 7th? Or are they going to continue it even after August 7th from now until forever? Folks, they are coming to our border in droves, in droves for medical help. I want you guys to listen to this clip from Todd Benzman on my show two weeks ago. Todd meets with a lot of border agents and he speaks directly with migrants. He's the only reporter that really does this. He works for Center for Immigration Studies, but he's also a reporter. And he noted that they are coming in droves. Half to two thirds of them come straight to the hospital for elective surgeries. Take a listen. What they told me is that that probably half to two thirds of everyone that they apprehend those families, family units are going to the emergency room into the hospital and are getting full treatment from cardiovascular assessments to MRIs, x-rays, um, you know, treatment, full treatment, multiple uh, trips back to the, to the hospital to, to get their full treatment. They said that I asked, well, where is this coming from? They said, well, ICE has a, a huge budget for for this, and it all comes from federal taxpayer dollars, all of it. I think what they told me is that if if the treatment occurs 48 hours after uh, after they arrive, it falls to the federal taxpayers. As you can see, it's not just oh, triage, or they're dying on the spot. They are coming to begin with for elective surgery and saddling us with the bill. You know, we have endless homelessness on the West Coast. We have 70 to 80 million people at any given time on Medicaid in this country. Why are we importing more of this? 
And then, second issue, we got news yesterday that the administration is planning to continue TPS, Temporary Protected Status Amnesty, for 44,000 Hondurans. Almost all of them are illegal aliens. This has been going on since Hurricane Mitch in, what, 2001. Trump had one opportunity to say, I'm going to be the guy who's not going to blink, and I'm going to get rid of it. But he blinks. See, this administration needs to learn there's no such thing as lukewarm hell in politics. Once you've incurred all the liabilities for being perceived as tough on immigration, which I would argue is just from the political class, the silent majority wants him to be tough, then go all the way. The problem is they incur all the liability, and then every time the left complains, they back down. They back down, which makes me wonder, you know, I, uh, I think I gave the administration a little bit too much credit. A couple days ago, I said that they were finally ending the work permits for bogus asylees that come to the border. I was told by a top administration official, not so fast, Daniel, you know, that that hasn't been uh, finalized yet. Obama did this stuff at the flick of a wrist, just boom. And it takes forever for these guys to get rid of lawless stuff Obama did. And even then, you know, they don't get rid of it. So again, Obama's legacy is persisting past his tenure. Now, while DHS serves as the global, uh, the, the ad hoc global field hospital, again, Middle-class Americans have to pay for this stuff. If you would have a vote in Congress, should we pay to bring in people for elective surgeries, chronic illnesses, and infectious diseases that are extremely contagious? Or should we stop them and turn them around at the border? What do you think the vote would be? Well, I have news for you. We voted on that. We've voted on this since 1885. Since 1885. Our laws are unambiguous. No one should come in if they're a public charge. No one should come in if they're a criminal. No one should come in if they're a terrorist concern. No one's allowed to come in if they're a gang member. And no one's allowed to come in unless we could certify that they have immunizations. None of that's followed. Because frankly, this program has become the ad hoc lawyer for the sovereign American citizen, the forgotten taxpayer. There are no lawyers to uphold statute on behalf of Americans. There's just endless legal help for illegal aliens. Endless public charge, endless diseases, endless security threats, endless criminals, endless Jeffrey Epstein's. Really, we're importing. Imagine if you just said, I'm going to import 10,000 Jeffrey Epstein's. Well, that's what we're doing. The child sex offenses are insane. We're going to get to that if we have time. I have a story out today. CDC has a report. We'll link to this in show notes. CDC has a report out. That um, 900 confirmed mums cases in ISIS facilities since last September. 900 cases uh, among the illegal immigrants in addition to, I believe, 33 cases among staff. Mumps is pretty painful and nasty. I know my mother always tells me, you know, she got it in the 50s and uh, it was <laughs> she'll never forget it. Long after we thought we eradicated this stuff, we're just importing it in. But you look at the media coverage and the media coverage. If you came from Mars. And you saw the media coverage on the CDC report, you would think like. ICE just started injecting people with mumps or either that or at the very least, they had such horrible subpar conditions that mumps was somehow germinated in America in the facilities. They all start from second base. No one except for me this morning reported on the source of the problem, how it came in. Why did this start precisely in September of last year? What happened then? Now, 
the media wants to say that, well, you know, there's there's problems in the ICE facilities. On a typical year, roughly 300,000 illegal immigrants cycle in and out of ICE's 314 detention facilities in in, uh, the various states, not just at the border, but, you know, from the interior enforcement. Why have we never had a mumps outbreak of 900 people before? Well, I'll tell you why, because we've never had mass migration from the source countries right at the time of an epidemic. Here's what they're not going to tell you, but here's what we have documented. It's from my article today. So I, I have a whole five-part series on this, contained, Contagion Invasion. But basically, what happened was the largest caravan, if you remember, the caravans came from Honduras, not Guatemala. Well, Honduras declared a national emergency over mumps when? Precisely September 2018. You could plot it on a graph. That that's when it started. That's when we started getting it. The Honduran government declared a national health emergency over mumps. Shortly thereafter, the largest caravan came. Most of the caravans left from San, San Pedro Sula, a northern Honduran town that had 1,336 cases of mumps. None of the media is reporting that. You would think like, hey, these guys had the most amazing health care and the nerve of us to grab them from Honduras, shove them in ICE facilities, and we injected them with mumps. No, no, no. We were minding our own business. And they came here during an epidemic when under any other time in our history, we would have just closed our border, but we let them in. 33 ICE contractors or workers got sick from them. And ICE had to deal with quarantining 900 people with mumps. And that's one disease. We know there's measles. We know there's TB. We know there's scabies and chicken pox. All sorts of nasty diseases that you don't hear about. Who's paying for this? Well, we heard from Todd earlier on the show, the clip we played. I'll tell you who's paying for it. You and I are paying for it. ICE's large budget, a.k.a. the taxpayers. ICE's job is to protect us from really bad people. Instead, they're made to become a field hospital for the worst diseases being brought into this country. Now, what's funny is ABC News went launched into a whole um, report on how, oh, no, let me tell you, Central America has the highest vaccination rates around. You know, with the left, everything is up, is down, down, is up. The third world is really the best. America sucks. You know, <laughs> up is down. Really, these are the wealthiest, most productive people. Um, they have better health care than us, uh, except it's not true. First of all, it's made up. They don't have reliable data. But even if you go with the data that, that they're citing, CDC, in a report last year, or 2017, they said something very important. Access to basic health care in Central America largely depends on socioeconomic status and environment, urban or rural. Guess what? We already know from top DHS officials, and I can confirm this from my sources, most of those coming are the indigenous population coming from the jungles of the Mayan villages, the mountains, jungles. They have never had access to sanitary conditions, much less basic health care, None of them have gotten immunizations. This has been confirmed um, earlier uh, earlier in the year. Uh, uh, what's his name? Testified Randy Howe, chief, chief of operations for CBP's uh, Office of Field Operations. Those we encounter may have never seen a doctor received immunizations or lived in sanitary conditions. Now, the good news is you might say, look, it's a shame that ICE has to be doing this and ICE doesn't get credit for doing it. But ICE stopped a major epidemic from spreading to America. Not so fast. From March 19th to May 8th, and that's just the data I have, this continued at least for another two months, 
CBP directly released within 24 hours, this is when it was the worst, 33,000 illegals without ever going into ICE facilities. Now, Border Patrol doesn't have immunizations. They don't have any of this stuff. So do the math. If 900 people among those who went into the facilities had mumps, how many were let out into the country that were never checked by ICE? Now, CDC says, oh, a lot of them developed the symptoms later. Yeah, but it takes 20, it could take up to 25 days for an incubation period where you could have contracted the disease and not have exhibited symptoms. So a lot of them, you know, they would check them. Hey, um, do you have any pain? Are you, do you have fever? And they're like, no, we're fine. You let them go. We have no idea. This is not just conjecture. There were 51 reported cases of mumps in Hidalgo County, Texas. Those of you who are unfamiliar with Hidalgo County, that's where McAllen, Texas is in the Rio Grande Valley. That is the most traffic county in the entire border. 51 cases in April, May. Americans just don't matter. We just don't matter in our own country. Now let's move on to the criminality, the criminality. So we had Jose Garcia Zarate, the man who killed Kate Steinle in 2015, seven-time convicted felon. He was deported five times, but because California is a sanctuary, he always has a place to come to. It turns out yesterday that not only was he acquitted on murder charges, when I say murder, I mean even involuntary manslaughter, much less second degree, he was acquitted on gun felonies. This guy was a felon possessing a firearm, as well as an illegal alien possessing a firearm. And guess what? He was acquitted. This case alone, every Republican should be talking about. Hey, you Democrats want to talk about gun control? And yet... You are not closing the legal loopholes in the, in the court system that allows even violent convicted felons who are illegal aliens on top of it to go free. We don't convict these people. Now, luckily, the feds are going to come in and try to charge them on federal charges. We are strangers in our own country. And guess what? Kate Steinle, her parents, they cannot sue the city of San Francisco in court. Illegal aliens every day are suing us for more medical care, more amnesty, more education, more welfare. Yet American victims of illegal aliens cannot get standing to sue law enforcement in jurisdictions that violate federal law and block information processing to ICE at USC 1373. And they shield illegal aliens from detection at USC 1324. But it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter because we don't matter in this country. You know, this is coming to my own neck of the woods, my own neck of the woods. I got a case here about less than 10 miles from where I live in um This is in Towson, Maryland, in Baltimore County. So many of you are familiar with the endless, endless cases of MS-13 style murders in Montgomery County, Maryland, right around here in Washington, D.C. It's pretty scary that it's now migrating to northern Maryland, north central Maryland, where I live. Towson, you know, this is not Baltimore City, nicer area. Just reported yesterday, seven people were arrested for a murder of what was probably another illegal alien. Jonathan Escobar Hernandez, 20. Marlon Leonardo Fabian Flores, 20. Edwin Edgardo Garcia Martir, 18. Hugo Portillo Chavez, 31. 
Jose Fausto Rivera Correa. 19, Odilas Rosas Yanes, 20, Lionel Alexander Valasquez Hernandez, 16. I have it from my sources that there is an ICE detainer on six out of the seven. Now, it doesn't mean that the seventh is not illegal, but there's often complications. But I can confirm that at least six of them are illegal, mainly from El Salvador. That's what we've imported into this country. But you'll never hear that. Here's another one. Westminster. Those of you who are familiar with with Maryland, Carroll County. It's it's the reddest county in Maryland. You know, you, you didn't have too much immigration there. Westminster, man, this is from the Baltimore Sun, as we endearingly call the Baltimore scum where I am. Westminster man. I love this Westminster man charged with raping, sexually abusing preteen girl. Victim reports over 100 incidents. Jose Indalesio Rosales, 36, was charged with one count of second degree rape, one count of sexual abuse of a minor, two accounts of second degree assault, one account of sexual abuse of a minor with continued uh, course of conduct and one count of sexual abuse of a minor. Um, he was being held without bond on Tuesday. According to the charges, a woman found Rosales in bed with the victim and appeared to be touching the victim's private area. The woman told police Rosales had been sexually abusing the victim since May 2018. The results of a sexual assault forensic exam, sometimes known as a rape kit, suggested the victim had experienced... Well, I, I'm not even going to... Whatever. It, it was alleged to have happened 110 times. Again, conservative media is out to lunch. The Republican Party is out to lunch. I would argue with the exception of Ken Cuccinelli, head of USCIS, the building right down from us here. They're all out to lunch, not talking about this. Why is the left not placed on defense from all of this? And I hate to sound like a broken record with all these cases, but this happens every day. More and more and more and more. Never ends. Never ends. So that that's what's going on there. Another case here. Salvadoran illegal immigrant accused of sexually abusing minor for seven years despite 2010 deportation order. It's from Fox News over the weekend, an illegal immigrant from El Salvador who's accused of sexually abusing a minor for seven years and who'd been ordered deported in 2010 is behind bars this week after reportedly being caught in Utah. Elmer Castro, 41, was arrested Tuesday in Ogden by the U.S. Marshals. Um, Basically, he was allegedly raped the girl for seven years, starting when she was just five years old. Jeez. Castro allegedly began abusing a girl in Ogden in 2008 when she was five years old and continued the abuse until 2015. He was ordered deported in 2010, but remained in the United States on the run until his arrest. <sighs> and uh, at the time of his arrest, Castro was living around the corner from an elementary school. Let me ask you this. Why is there no effort? on the part of any Republican to hold a special session. I know they don't control the House, but they control the Senate. And deal with this with legislation and investigations and endless hearings as to why so many known criminal aliens came into the hands of law enforcement were either let go by sanctuaries or let go by dirtbag immigration judges. And that's a whole nother thing I want to talk about at some point. Dirtbag immigration judges. We shouldn't even have that entire agency within Department of Justice. They never were entitled until the 80s to an immigration judge. You see an immigration official. ICE, and that's it. You have no entitlement to remain in this country. There's no due process unless we want to criminally convict you, not to deport you. And yet, because they're allowed to remain in this country in contravention to the laws passed by Congress, Endless children are raped, endless people are murdered, endless drugs are trafficked, endless uh, innocent people on the road are killed 
from the epidemic of illegal alien drunk driving incidents. It is just unfreaking believable. No effort to go after the assault criminal aliens. The high capacity criminal record criminal aliens. I know my article from yesterday, seven ideas to fight gun control with criminal control. This is one of them. It's making its rounds, and I'm thankful to Mark Levin for reading it on air last night. But why am I the only one doing this? Why? I just don't get it. And then, as we noted yesterday, it's not just illegal aliens, but among American criminals. Republicans have the ultimate glass jaw to punch on the Democrats' face. USOBs want to talk about gun control when you have a concerted effort in every major city that you control to push what's called criminal justice reform, a.k.a. jailbreak, to let out violent prisoners because the goal is not public safety. The goal is reducing the prison population at all costs. What are the consequences? Violent prisoners barely get locked up. If they get locked up, they get let out in a year. Then they get put on probation. They violate their probation a million times and never get locked up because they don't want to break their streak of reduced prison population. So this is happening all over the country. Almost all of the violence perpetrated is from known criminal offenders who aren't locked up. And that includes gun violence. And even when they're caught possessing guns illegally, the left wants to let them out of jail. You know, my wife's a graphic artist. I was thinking of having her create a political cartoon for me showing the left locking guns behind a cell and then letting out tattooed MS-13 guys with uh, rifles strapped to their shoulders because that's exactly what's happening. We talked a little bit about Chicago yesterday. I want to give you an update on this. This is from Anthony Guglielmi. He is the spokesman for the Chicago police. He put this out on Twitter in June. But it's, but it's every bit as relevant today. He talked about 52 people being shot, 10 killed over a weekend. Almost how many, almost the same death toll that was uh, you know, of, of gun violence in Chicago over the Labor Day weekend. And he said, as of this afternoon, 11 of the 19 individuals arrested on gun charges over the weekend, 11 of the 19 arrested on gun charges are already on the streets. Seven of the, of the individuals were previously convicted felons. Six had prior gun offenses in their backgrounds. Chicago police continued to follow court cases of the 19 gun offenders arrested this past weekend, of the 11 charged with carrying an illegal gun that are already back on the street, three of them were given only I-bonds, which basically you, you give nothing, just a promise to appear on our system. Seven others paid 10% of their bonds, ranging from $100 to $500 to get out of jail. And um, they were back out on the streets. Here is one from CWBChicago.com. Looks like a terrific website. Cook County Judge. This is, this is from this week. Cook County Judge sets 100,000 bail for alleged gun offender, then tells him he doesn't really need to pay it. A Cook County Judge conjured up a very special bail arrangement when a six-time convicted felon appeared before her on multiple gun charges. Around 4.30 a.m. on July 12th, shot spotter technology detected four gunshots near the 2500 block of South Keeler and Little Village. They arrived at the scene. They saw 47-year-old um, John Quinn uh, Europino leaning out of his home second floor window. I don't know if he's an illegal or not, but whatever. Cops asked him if he had a gun with him. He reportedly admitted that he did. Um, he was arrested. Basically, they found the pistol 
in his pocket. Another gun and four spent casings were reportedly found inside the home near the window where officers first saw him. They say he's a member of the 2-6 street gang. Okay. He said he fired the weapon to get everyone's attention. He was charged with felony use of a firearm by a felon while on parole, felony reckless discharge of a firearm, and felony possession of controlled substances. At the time of the incident, he was on parole for driving with a revoked license after being convicted of reckless homicide. Reckless homicide. State records show he was previously sentenced to prison for six years in 2001 for shooting someone. One year after violating an order of protection in 2000. One year for narcotics in 1996. Five years for possessing a stolen motor vehicle. And a concurrent five-year for re- sentence for reckless homicide in 1991. Never served a 20-year sentence or something like that. Now, it doesn't say how long he served. It says how long he was sentenced to. They serve half the sentence. Usually they get out early. After his arrest last month, the Illinois Department of Corrections revoked his parole. Yurkino was sent back to prison for a few weeks until he was re-paroled on August 22nd. Standing before Judge Howard that afternoon, his attorney asked that the bail be reduced. Howard agreed. She nixed his no bail status and set a new bail of 100000 Ordinarily, that would re- require a $10,000 deposit. But that's not what happened. Instead, Howard put Yurkino on electric monitoring in lieu of bond. According to court records, she also gave him permission, permission to travel for employment. Um, he is free to go on his own recognizance. Sheriff's spokesperson said he did not have to pay any portion of the bail in order to be placed on electronic monitoring. Let me give you one other story from Chicago. It's from the Chicago Tribune. August 29th, last week, a disturbing video, a mysterious blue container, an AWOL parolee with a violent history, chilling details surround the case of a missing Chicago woman. And basically, they talk about this woman named Bryla who is missing and they suspect that she was murdered in a gruesome way. Chicago police confirmed Wednesday they suspect foul play and are looking for one of the two men with the container because they caught people with a container at the at the home of the victim, a parolee who attacked a parolee who attacked another woman several years ago with a pipe and a hammer, then set her on fire. Now, of course, you might be asking, well, why isn't he in the joint? Well, the Tribune is not naming the parolee because he hasn't been criminally charged in Bryla's disappearance. Illinois Department of Corrections records list him as an absconder, which means he has stopped remaining in t- contact with a parole officer. The man had been paroled in November 2018 for aggravated battery. According to the Department of Corrections, the man was convicted of hitting his girlfriend. He was also convicted in in 2011 of domestic battery and his criminal record in the 2000s included felony convictions for armed robbery, aggravated battery and burglary. Okay. So, yeah. The guy was on parole. After the most gruesome, Daniel, we lock up too many nonviolent first-time offenders for too long. We need criminal justice reform. Folks, that's not just the far alt-left. Those are the words of my colleagues in this stupid business. I am the last man standing. And my buddy Jonathan Miller here, who records his show from the studio as well. A couple of us here are the only people left who actually believe in Reagan's views on crime. Everyone else on this so-called right, the Heritage Foundation, just two blocks from here, criminal justice reform. Rather than pinning the tail of blame on the donkey, rather than demonstrating how the Democrats are the ones who want to let out violent criminals left and right, and they're doing so in Chicago, with devastating consequences, including gun felons, these same vermin are the ones who then want to strip away our guns so then we can't protect ourselves and carry in all these stupid blue states, D.C., Maryland, Chicago. Only the criminals they let go could carry. You know, if I were caught carrying, I'd be in big trouble. But you have an, a guy who sets someone on fire, caught with a gun. He's a, I, I don't want to ruin the probation, we, we can't spend the extra money to, to re-sentence uh, the guy. 
Rilo is among three highly publicized cases of missing women in Chicago since last fall. The others are Marlon Ocheo Lopez, 19, who was eight months pregnant when she disappeared April 23rd. Kira Colas, a 27-year-old U.S. Postal Service employee, disappeared in October. There's another one there. How much do you want to bet those their disappearance wasn't from a bunch of Martians? It was likely repeat offenders that served barely any time and were let out on parole. We talked about this before, how you only have about 100 Chicago police officers monitoring 2,000 of the worst criminals on parole. It's a joke. What a bunch of malarkey. I don't know what to tell you guys. We just don't matter in our own country. We are strangers in our own land. Criminals, illegal alien criminals, healthcare for illegals. I'm not stupid. I understand that probably the majority of people in this country are not as so-called conservative traditionalist as I am. Nobody wants this. Nobody wants this. This is not a tough issue if you're a conservative and you want to sell the Republican Party platform. The problem is we don't have anyone in the Republican Party in a position of power who believes in the Republican platform. So that's why the Democrats get to determine which sob stories they talk about. Then they get to determine which stories drive the legislative policy agenda. And Republicans just follow it and don't talk about any of these cases. There's a lot more going on with terrorism cases being brought into this country. Endless cases. But we don't have time for most of them today. I got to get out of here so Miller could record his show. By the way, you could subscribe. If you haven't subscribed to Blaze Media, you could hear his show as well as a number of shows. I was on uh, Andrew Wilkow to discuss the left and anti-Semitism today. So you could hear that show um, later today. And then obviously my show is still free, but make sure to subscribe to our Conservative Review YouTube page. Like our videos, drop me a comment. You could always send me a comment at dharowitz at blazemedia.com. Tweet me at armconservative. But I want to leave you with one more story. Now, we've brought well over 2 million Muslims to this country since 9-11. Just, just today, there was another indictment, uh, a Kazakh man who got born in Kazakhstan, another one born in Pakistan, both in New York, indicted by DOJ on charges of working for ISIS. No discussion of better vetting. Everyone's like, how do we stop someone from getting a gun? Well, how do we stop the elective policy of bringing bad dudes into this country? We don't have to be doing that. We have advanced not one iota in any of the 9-11 commission uh, recommendations 18 years since 9-11. But this is about Canada, but it's relevant to us. Jerusalem, this is from the Jerusalem Post, brand new from this morning. U.S. has agreement with Canada to accept 100,000 Palestinians. The Lebanon-based paper Al-Akbar <laughs> reported that Al-Akbar, jeez, what, what, what a name for our paper, reported that an official source of one of the Palestinian factions revealed that there's an understanding between the U.S. and Canada for Canada to receive 100,000 Palestinians 40,000 from Lebanon, 60,000 from Syria. Um, Spain will receive 16,000. The representative of Hamas in Lebanon, Abed Abdel Hadi, told Al-Akbar that part of the deal of the century aims to resettle between 75,000 to 100,000 Palestinians in Lebanon and displace the rest to more than one country. Many Palestinian youth are trying to emigrate from Lebanon at all costs. Those who have emigrated so far have been the victim of humanitarian and life pressures. They go on to talk about that. Hamas has developed a strategy to counter migration based on an understanding with Lebanon in order to re relieve the pressure so that Palestinians will feel free 
and are living in dignity achieve human rights achievements, pressure UNRWA to improve services, and have Palestinian factions contribute to projects that provide jobs for youth. The Trump administration's deal of the century peace plan is not expected to be released until after Israel's September 17 election. Look, I'll take them not coming here. But what the hell is Jared freaking Kushner and the Trump administration moving them right north on our border? You know, we we had one of the chief patrol sector patrol um, agents on our show a couple months ago talking about the northern border. He was from the Halton sector in Maine. There is activity heating up on our northern border. And that's when you're going to get people like this coming in. Canada is letting in Islamists in droves. Now, Canada certainly has had its share of terror attacks, but America is still the number one target. If you're a jihadi, you're going to want to attack America. Do we really want to put 100,000 of the most violent Arabs, Rashida Tablids, on our northern border? And we're bringing them in droves still through our visa system. We'll talk about that more tomorrow in the coming week. But I just want to close with this thought. Just because I was in the mood of this, I was speaking with uh, Will Cal about this with anti-Semitism. Importing the Islamic world under the guise of compassion, humanitarianism, goodness, I'm a good person, is the most counterintuitive cruel policy imaginable. Four years ago, the chief rabbi of Belgium said that Jews have no future in the country of Belgium and in Europe at large. We're seeing endless attacks on Jews in Europe. Why? Well, it's because they've imported the Middle East. These people don't think very nicely about Jews. You know, and I, I reported last year about this woman who survived the Nazi invasion of Paris. She somehow hid out in 1942, but she couldn't survive the self-immolation of France, bringing in hundreds of thousands of Sharia adherent Islamists who hate Jews. She was butchered and burned in her apartment by her neighbor, who was, I think, a Moroccan immigrant. According to an Israeli news outlet, the granddaughter of the victim who moved to Israel posted the, power, the following powerful message on Facebook. 20 years ago, I left Paris knowing that my future was not there, neither mine nor that of the Jewish people. But who would have thought that I was leaving my relatives where terrorism and cruelty would lead to such tragedy? My grandmother was stabbed to death 11 times by a Muslim neighbor she knew well, who made sure to set fire to her home and left us not even with one object, a letter, a photograph to remember her by. All we have are our tears and each other. Let me tell you something, folks. If you are one of those that are saying, oh, it's Jewish values to bring in immigrants and without any qualification of how many, who, over what time, you can go straight to hell. They're not all like this, but, you know, I had in that article I did last year, I'll link to in show notes, over 50% of the migrants from these countries who came to Germany pulled by a German think tank, had anti-Semitic thoughts about Jews. It's no coincidence that as America stands 10 to 20 years behind Europe, that we're now importing about 150 to 175,000 by my count every year from predominantly Muslim countries. And those are just green cards, not including the endless student visas, probably another 100,000 by my calculation. And you could Google this, Daniel Horowitz, Muslim immigration, student visas, you'll see the numbers. If we're going to bring another 100,000 Palestinians to Canada, has anyone thought of what that's going to do? But it's no coincidence. Now you start seeing these rallies in New York, not with two or three people, several hundred people chanting jihad, death to Israel, death to America. We used to understand what true compassion is. True compassion is putting the citizens of your government first. And that means 
that unless you could verify that every last human being being brought in at our border or through our visa system is coming illegally, B is not a public charge, C is not carrying diseases, and four loves America and shares our values. You should not be let into this country. It's a simple proposition. That is the humanitarian position. That is the compassionate position. And let me tell you this, just to end off with this. What would happen if we had an area of the world that had deep-seated white supremacist views? Not everyone, but of that ilk, a good percentage believed in that and often acted violently upon that. Would we say, well, you know what? Let's go bring in hundreds of thousands of people. Should, should we bring in an anti-Semite? My answer is no. Should we bring in a white supremacist? No. We should only bring in people who share our universal Republican values of true equality. Why should Islamic supremacism be different, particularly when they are the most violent, the most ubiquitous in recruiting? And it, it, it comes with a religious fervor. There's nothing quite like this. We have other threats from other groups. Certainly, th this is the biggest. And then we bring in MS-13. We bring in child sex offenses. We bring in drug trafficking. We bring in drunk driving. If the Republican Party on the Senate floor would sound like this show the last couple of weeks, we would win elections in a landslide. Our job is to get this message out. I need you to send this show to 50 of your friends and family. I need you to subscribe. I need you to pass conservativereview.com on. We're going to have many more articles along these themes. We covered a lot of territory today. I got to get out of here before I'm kicked out. Till next time, God bless you all, fellow patriots. And remember, it doesn't have to be this way. This is our land. This is our country. We're going to keep fighting for it. God bless you all. Till tomorrow. This has been another episode of the Conservative Review Podcast. Conservative Review Podcast.